Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. something that's for a very powerful uh, relationship like say, well, like say IQ and almost anything. Uh, usually it's a very uh, strong relationship. Okay, that's better. Hello. Think. This is going to sound horrible in the video. I think the mic is dirty. I think I just made it worse too, but whatever. Okay. Um, let's say we can get R equals 0.5. This is a 0.5 correlation. That's actually a decent relationship. We'd be happy with that very often. Um, uh, a social psychologist, a personality psychologist, or a sociologist would be ecstatic about that kind of data. That's, you know, in, in a sort of social science kind of angle, that's a really high correlation. Um, now, remember what R, R equals? It's the covariance of X and Y divided by the standard deviation X and standard deviation Y. Right? That's what that is. So how much variance is accounted for by one variable in the other? So you have two variables, and they have overlapping variance. How much variance in one variable is accounted for by variance in the other variable? You may have heard this before. That's weird. Oh, I forgot to plug in. Let's Fracking kid. I can't be. Okay. Just had some dust in my power supply. That's all. No, that happens. That happens. Okay. Everything should be fine now. I just go like that. Right. So as I said, simple one-to-one relationships, fine. We're often very interested in that kind of thing. But let's just say it's 0.5, which is, again, something, as I just mentioned, um, that uh, sort of social scientists usually be very, would be ecstatic about that, That's a high one. Oftentimes, they deal with 0.3s and are happy. R equals covariance x and y divided by the standard region x times the standard region of y. Um, and the question is, how much variance is accounted for by one variable and the other? Basically, if you think of variance as a thing, as I was saying the other day, how much overlap is there between the two? That's the question you're asked, that I, that I, well, not that you're asking, that I'm asking you here. Um, well, R deals with standard deviations. It's got standard deviations in the thing. Well, if we square it, it's going to deal with variances, because variances are squares of standard deviations. So let's just square R. So now we've got a quantity actually called R squared, little R squared. 
There's little r squared and big r squared. That's, as you can see, little r squared. It's 0.25. That means then that we've accounted for 25% of the variance in one variable with variance in the other. In other words, the variance and the correlation between IQ and income is about 0.5. It's a little higher than that. Let's pretend it's 0.5. That means 25% of the variance in income can be accounted for by variance in IQ. And vice versa, 25% of the variance in IQ can be accounted for by variance in income. This is nothing but the direction of the relationship. Okay. Now, when, 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 when um, social scientists get really excited about 0.3, that means they've accounted, they've accounted for 9% of the variance. Ooh. Nine whole percent. Now, it's statistically significant, and, but practically is it? Who knows, right? Probably not. So there's stuff that, not to blow my own horn, but so, so some of the, because it's not my idea, but some of the modeling stuff that I've done where we account for variance, we account for 99.98% of the variance. And we go, damn, that's low. Um, but we're also dealing with timing mechanisms and things like that. Psychophysics, not things that are, frankly, uh, cognitively way more complicated, things like personality variables, stuff like that. But even a quarter of the variance, it's a lot, but it's not all of it. I want to know all of it. I want to know everything. Right? So it means there's 75% left that we still haven't accounted for. Wow, it's not good. It's, it's, you know, it's 25% more than nothing. It's, it's still not even half. There's other factors that are accounting for the variance. As I said, roughly IQ comes about 0.5, so we can use that as an example. Um, ergo, as we say in Latin, there must be other variables that account for the rest of the variance. Think of this in a, in a very, think of sometimes the absurd example can be, can be useful. How much of the variance in human height in centimeters can be accounted for by variance in human height in inches? All of it. You're measuring the same variable, just with two different scales. If I measure you with centimeters, then you say with inches. Unless I'm really very bad at using a tape measure, <laughs> I'm going to get a 1.0 correlation, aren't I? Which means I've accounted for 100% of the variance. I've explained nothing. <laughs> You know, all the variance in centimeters can be accounted for by variance in inches. That's completely meaningless, but I think it can give you an idea of the idea of sharing variance. Does it make some sense? Because you know, sometimes the absurd is sensible. So there's other things that are accounted for the rest of the variance in our example of something that are 0.5. We do this by bringing these extra variables into the model. The same sort of thing we did, like analysis of variance, where we said, like, look. We got A, we also got B. Well, why not bring B in? Why not put that in the design? So we do the same kind of thing here. We say, okay, well, we accounted for some of the variance in, in, in uh, uh, income with IQ. There's still a whole bunch left. What else could it be? Well, let's try this. And we throw it in there. Make sense? Okay, so conceptually, and mostly I want you to get this conceptually. So if we have y, there's our y variable, okay? So that's, that's what's going to be on our y-axis, you know, 
Usually, by convention, you put what you're predicting on the y-axis. You actually don't have to, but it's weird if you don't. Like, it just doesn't look right. You can certainly, you know, you don't have to. But then after, we'll see in a second that it stops, axes stop being things to worry about anyway. So there's x1. And there's the overlap. See? So the overlap. There is some shared variance there. That's not point. That's about a quarter, actually. That is about a quarter. It's not bad. So that's the variance x1. That's the variance in y. That's the variance they share. That's where they're both measuring the same thing. Okay? So we just bring x to it. Now we've accounted for even more variance. There's still some left, quite a bit, like half of it, roughly, is still left. But now we've accounted for half the variance, right? Not just 25%. Okay, does that make some sense? Yeah? Yeah? Oh, again, yes. So x2 then is like, um, they're not measuring the same thing, no. they're measuring a different variable altogether? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, and they're, all called, they're called x's, but x1 and x2 um, aren't the same thing at all. In fact, ideally, they're, they're not, in fact, you can see here, they're not the same, because x1 and x2 don't overlap, just y and x1 But is it x2. a variable that we would have been looking at anyways? Or Perhaps. That's, that's the question. You, yeah, I mean, you hope that you did, because if not, you have to go back and measure a whole bunch of stuff. So it, it would be like having a study where you're measuring, I don't know, the IQ or yeah. some disorder. So then you have like two different groups, maybe a comparable. Uh, don't get that far yet. That's a way to do something. Think of it more like this. We're trying to get, we're trying to explain people's income. That's why. That's IQ, and this is the number of years of schooling they have. Okay. Okay. So, then, so, okay. so they're separate things. Yeah, they're separate I was, things. I was just gonna go where is this where you start eliminating age, sex. Well, we could, bring, we could certainly bring age and sex in there. Uh, you would find that there would be some uh, age of the uh, because the older you are, the more money you make. Right? So if we brought that be X3, then it would account for more variance than one. Sex is a little harder because it's not a number. And we calculate these things with numbers. There's a way to do it, and we'll talk about it, but it's a little harder to do. Well, it's not harder, it's conceptually a little harder to understand. So what happens when the two variables that are supposed to be separate also end up overlapping with? Uh, it's, 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 it's a hellish nightmare when that happens, okay. uh, and it almost always does. It violates an assumption, and we'll talk about it. Okay. But it's something called multicollinearity, and you don't want that. You really, really don't want that okay. because what you're saying is, in fact, what the model is going to assume is that we're accounting for unique variance. Um, and if you're not, you're violating an assumption of the model. And we'll talk about that probably about 30 minutes or so. You'll, you'll, I'll give you an example. You'll be able, to, be able to sort of detect this. Okay, so how would you get rid of the variance that's left without having an overlap? That's by being clever. Okay. But no, seriously, by choosing variables that don't overlap. And I know that's, that's like a tautology, but... You wouldn't think that age overlapped a great deal with IQ and a great deal. No, yeah, shouldn't. Your IQ has really changed as you get older. So, like. But you might become better at test taking. Yeah, but you, the tests are, are, are normalized for ages. <coughs> so, 
Uh, we also wouldn't assume that it would be too much with, so what do we have, we have IQ, years of schooling. Yeah, I would probably, if it overlaps with anything, be years of schooling. Because older you are, at some level, you have more schooling, but then it would drop off because if you're past about 60, people didn't used to go to university so much. Right? Um, we could always truncate the sample, so we had people that we were, you know, under, say, 35, and then, in fact, it would probably work out halfway decently. So, you have to, as I said, you kind of have to be clever and say, what is not going to overlap with my X's, but will overlap with my Y's? Now, there's another way to do that, of course, is you collect all the data, and you take a look and see what are the correlations between the X's. And if they're high, you don't use one of them. And you're going to ask me, what's high? And I'm going to say, when it's high. We'll get there. We'll get there. This is um, this is one of those cases. Doing multiple regression is one of those cases where you end up with stuff that's more. Uh, there's a lot more judgment calls. They tend to be sensible judgment judgment calls. I mean, but they're still judgment calls. Other questions? Do you understand what I'm saying here? This is, these are really good questions you're asking. Okay. So in general, what we have is a model that looks like this. Y hat equals, uh, by the way, um, Vincent, uh, Vincent, uh, Vincent tells me that uh, it's, it's just, they say Y prime. So they don't even use circumflex. And Isabel immediately said, you can't put a circumflex on a Y. <laughs> just like I said. I knew that's what she'd say. Um, okay, so Y hat equals B sub zero plus B sub one X sub one plus B sub two X sub two plus dot, 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 plus B sub P minus one X sub P minus one plus E. Now, break that down a bit. We have P minus one predictors. Okay? So in that one, we have X1 and X2. P minus one equals two. We have two predictors in that case, so P minus one would be equal two. Okay? And you're going to say, but why is it like that? Because P is the number of parameters in the model, and the uh, and we're using parameter to keep like we've used it before. And B sub zero, the intercept, is considered one of the parameters. Okay? So P minus one predictors. But we have P terms. One, two, three, four. Blah, blah, blah. Okay? So this is actually, this is for the data set itself. This is when, if we were to calculate this, if we were to get any given point, any given point in a, in a um, any given y value is a combination of b0 plus b1x1 plus b2x2 plus blah 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 plus whatever's left over, error. It's called residual or error. This is about the population. These are statistics. These things, these b's are called either called b's or they're called beta weights. You'll hear them called both. They really should be called Bs because they aren't betas, because betas are for populations, but everybody calls them beta weights. So. It's like it should be chi-squared, not chi-square, but everybody says chi-square. Crazy. A chi-square is a square made out of chi's. Right? This is chi-squared. Squared. E equals mc squared. No one says e equals mc square. Pi r squared, not pi r square. Drives me up a freaking wall. And I read articles, and the thing was up there. I'm, 
You know, I review articles for, I'm reviewing an article for a journal right now, and I'm going to write in the thing, it, you know, really it should be chi-squared, and no one's ever changed it. But it just drives me crazy. So it shouldn't be betas, but we call them betas. What are those things going to be? What they're going to be is how much weight, that's the weight part I like, how much weight there is on each of these variables. Now, think, what the hell does that mean? Well, if it's zero, that means that that, that x has no effect. It, has, it, it doesn't account for any variance. Right? Because if like, it was like, remember we talked the other day about, your, um, about trying to predict somebody's salary at the university, which isn't really a regression, but it's, it's, it's instructive in a way. So you had your salary equals the floor plus number of years times, um, sorry, let's change that, plus PTR, which is our steps, our progression through the ranks, times the number of years we've been working here. Okay? So that's some number times the number of years. That's the X. That's the Y. There's your intercept. But what if it was zero? What if the PTR, the weight, is zero? In other words, what if for some reason... We really got, we really screwed our contract up, and we somehow negotiated away getting raises every year. After we killed the negotiating team and the administration, we would look and say, "Oh, um, everybody gets this before the weight is zero, right?" So we want these things to be. We don't care if they're positive or negative, but we want them to be non-zero, so they predict something. So you would say something like your income equals some base plus some number times your IQ plus some number times your years of education. Now, we can make general statements like that, but then we have to say, but everybody's a little bit different. Right? My brother's a college professor who finished high school. So he has much less education than I do. Makes less money than I do as well. But he makes more money than a lot of people that don't never finish high school. Right? Plus he's Mr. Juno Award made record producer. Wikipedia <laughs> page of editing. Ooh. To help write. That's <laughs> um, So his income, yeah, years of education matters, sure, and so does uh, his IQ, which I'm sure is, is reasonable. It's not as good as mine, probably, but it's reasonable. Um, <laughs> but then, to figure out his income, you'd say, well, uh, he actually doesn't, you know, he's, we're, we're, we're under-predicting Dan's income. We're under-predicting Dan's income, because his education level's low compared to the population, right? So, we have to add on E. There's a, there's a mistake in the prediction, because that's actually how much money Dan makes. That's what that is. Okay. So E accounts for any mistakes in the prediction. Yeah, it's just a prediction error. See, this is about any given point. We're predicting the point. We're, we make a prediction with Y hat, but and then we go, uh, and there's a fudge factor. <laughs> Stuff we can't account for. Now, in the population, it's different. In the population, actually, there is a relationship, but we don't know every variable. So in the population, it's, look, they're actual betas. They're y, don't predict anymore. y equals beta sub 0 plus beta sub 1, x sub 1 plus beta sub 2, x sub 2 plus dot, 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 plus beta sub p minus 1, x sub p minus 1 plus epsilon 
These aren't prediction errors, because this thing isn't wrong. This is actually how the universe works. This is, oh, another stuff we haven't measured yet. This isn't a prediction error. This is other stuff we haven't measured, measured yet. They're two different things. That error, we can still call it error, or residual, is normally distributed and independent with a mean of zero, a variance of sigma squared, sub epsilon. That should look vaguely familiar. Because uh, it's exactly what you see in ANOVA, right? The error is always has a mean of zero, it's normal, it's independent, and has a variance of sigma squared sub epsilon. We've got to give it a name, so instead of calling it Steve, we call the variance sigma squared sub epsilon. We could call it anything. We could call it something. This is not a prediction error in this case, this is individual variation. And individual variation is just stuff we haven't measured. And in statistics, we call stuff we haven't measured error. Because <laughs> right? we made a mistake. Right? Okay. Does this make sense so far? If you're okay? Okay. I truly pity the people that are here today. Because this stuff makes sense on, at, when I'm saying it. It's a lot harder when you don't have me here to ask questions of. Also, good way to put a sentence together there, Dave, to ask me questions of. <laughs> English is great. Eh? You put any words in basically any order. It's grammatically correct. It's as funky as hell. It's grammatically fine. And again, why is not predicted why. It's not why hat. It's just why. In this case, different deal. Okay. So what do we get? What do we get? And I know a lot of you look at the notes. If p minus 1 equals 1, we get a line. Because if we have one predictor, we have a y right, and an x. We get a line. We get a line. Now, those of you who haven't looked over the notes, think about this. What do you get if you p minus 1 equals 2? Two lines? No. See, so people say things like that, and they're wrong. <laughs> Had to try. You kinda, it's kind of like two lines, not... <coughs> Kind of. What you get? Anybody else that hasn't looked at the notes yet? Because if you look, it doesn't. It's not fair. Okay. What you get is you get a plane or a surface. Now, that's because, like, okay, imagine, if you will, that the world is two dimensional. So you're not seeing the third dimension. So you got y and x. There's a line. Okay? So the side of the paper is the line. Ha, but we know there are three dimensions. <laughs> right? So there's another um, axis that comes out like this. You've got to put your 3D glasses on and it comes right out at you. Uh -huh. yeah. Now, there's another line away. So it pulls it up like that. But in fact, the world's three-dimensional. It's not just lines, so it's a surface. You get a surface. Yeah. Did anybody here ever do any 3D Cartesian coordinates in high school? They don't teach you guys anything anymore, do they? It's really sad. Not if you don't take a class. Or if you skip it constantly. <laughs> Fair enough. But what class would that be? I, th I remember doing Cartesian planes, I think, in advance. Nah. Yes. Yeah? I only had grade 11 math. math. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, it would have been calculus. We did it in a course in grade 13 class at a different time. It's back when we used to have to take courses and stuff to school. Um, <laughs> in uh, grade 13 algebra was when we learned about that. 
with a, with a teacher named Mr. Letts, and this is a tremendous Mr. Letts impression. <laughs> Same, really excellent. I'm thinking of going to my high school reunion just for that, but I think he might be dead. So, so, but this may be my Latin teacher still there. So I think I might, because you get to sign up and go sit in a class. I have an actual class, I think that'd be fun. Me and my brother and my sister will all go to Latin. Yeah, with the old teachers, yeah. I'm not gonna go with, you know. Yeah, I'd like to go to grade 10 biology. <laughs> just sitting in. Are you wrong? Yeah, I just read paper in nature. That wouldn't be right. Though, there's, yeah. <laughs> I really, I wish my grade 13 biology teacher was still there because he got some stuff so horribly and totally wrong about evolution. Not on purpose, he just didn't know what he was talking about. Um, always wanted to tell him. <laughs> really have, you know, but what's the use, right? It wouldn't be fair. Unless he's still teaching, but it might be Yes. Still. I ran into it, speaking of my math teachers, I ran into my calculus teacher once when I was, I was a postdoc, actually. And I got off the, no, I was a prof by then, and I was visiting London, and we got off the train from Quebec into London, and um, it doesn't matter what. But he said, Dave. And I said, Mr. Littell. And he said, you really don't have to call me that anymore. <laughs> and I said, but I, I feel weird calling you by your first name. He said, I'm not calling you Dr. Broadback. I said, okay, Frank. <laughs> it's still weird. Okay, Frank. You know, it's like high school teachers. You can't call me by first name. First Frank. It's okay. I see my public teachers on a regular basis, and I still can't call them. No, no, that's still weird. Yeah. Of course, public school teachers call everyone Mr. and Miss, right? Like all my, my son's school. Hello, Mr. Broadback. It's just Dave's fine. Okay, technically, it's doctor. Um, which I don't do. Um, okay, so a plane, you can imagine that, maybe. If you got, if it's bigger, you get a hyperplane in hyperspace, which is just cool. Because it's got four dimensions. Dude. So it's now got four dimensions. Now, you could think of it as the fourth dimension being, which is the way we think about it in the actual world, is, is time. So it could be, it's like this, but then it's moving as time passes. Ah. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> and I'm always telling you to imagine it. No, I wouldn't try to imagine hyperplanes. Because you can't think, most of us can't think beyond, it, I can kind of do the thing where it's moving, but only kind of. My old staff prof, Ian, used to say, well, I can do up to five because then I change the color of it. <laughs> so they said, the darker, the cooler colors are lower values, and the, the higher, the, the warmer colors getting closer to, to red. That's more the high values. So it changes to, it's, it's a beautiful, I said, I can't do that, Ian, I'm sorry. That's, you're a freak. You know? <laughs> um, so, a hyperplane in hyperspace, that's cool. I just like saying it because it reminds me, you know, it's like, you know, spin up the FTL. Right, and you jump, and then you're at Earth, and then it's screwed up, but then you get back in your ship, and you go to the new Earth, and the Cylons are with you, but then they decide to go into the sun. I'm oh, sorry, Galactica? Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, we're not really there with Angel. We can find out if our regression model, the thing you get at the end is called the regression model. We're going to find out if it's significant, and it's, it's all about variance. We may as well use analysis of variance. And this is the whole model, by the way. So this is, <coughs> this is the B0 plus B1x1 plus B2x2, blah, blah, blah. Does that whole thing account for a significant amount of variance? You know, in other words, a significantly more than zero in Y. 
So that's what we're trying to figure out here. It's called variance due to regression. Uh, sorry, this is the, well, the intercept doesn't matter. Because yeah. it, it doesn't vary. Same for everybody. And then variance to the, to the residual. In other words, what's left? Okay. So, the analysis of variance looks like this. You get something that looks like this. You get source of variation or regression and residual. And this, uh, there's something missing here. You calculate some of the squares for regression and some of the squares for residual. And the mean squares are some of the squares regression over p minus 1 and some of the squares residual divided by, that should be n minus p. And this is horrible. So this should be some of the squares regression divided by p minus 1. Residual has n minus p degrees of freedom, so divided by n minus p, that p minus 1. And then the f is just, this is right, it means square regression, it means square residual. Why is it n minus p? Well, think about this. You've got p minus 1 predictors, right? So that's going to be for regression, that makes some sense. You've got n minus 1 in total. Right? Well, we want to end up with, if we're going to add these two together, p minus 1 plus n minus p equals n minus 1. We want to add up. Well, look, we got a p, we lost a p, we got an n, and a minus 1. p minus 1 plus n minus p equals n minus 1. Nothing magical there. So that's what the, well, it kind of looks like this, because this should be n minus p, and that should be divided by p minus 1. So. Is a mistake there. This is an analysis about the whole model. So all of your predictors. All of your predictors. This is not about the individual variables. This doesn't say if we did IQ and we did years of education to predict income. This says IQ plus years of education together we account for a significant amount of variance in income. Okay? This isn't looking at individual variables. This is not looking at, this is not seeing if the Bs are significant. This is looking if the whole thing together is. And you know, if it's not, you're a loser. Because it's, you know, if you do a whole bunch of variables, if you try to correlate with another variable, you better account for significant variance. You're just, what are you doing? You know, I mean, you get some variables together, you're going to account for non-zero amount of variance in another variable. You're always going to. So this actually is just a starting point. This is clearly not the interesting question you're going to be asking. So this is one thing, and it's the sum of all of its parts. It's the whole model. It would be kind of like saying, if we did like, you know how you know, we go, let's say for a two-factor, right? X equals mu plus alpha plus beta plus alpha beta. It wouldn't be saying, is, are eight, is there an A effect, a B effect, or an A plus B effect? It's saying, is there an effect if you put everything together? Well, yeah, there better be. Oh, well, there's absolutely nothing happening. Now, you obviously want to get a lot more fine-grained on this. You want to find out if IQ or use of education matter and how much. That's what gets interesting, right? So, 
the model is going to be significant. Like I said, a bloody well better be, or you've, or you've really, you really don't know what you're doing. Right? The question is, what parts of the model are significant? What parts of the model are significant? We're much more concerned with how much extra variation is accounted for by adding another variable into the model. That's what we find interesting. In fact, that's what I started up with today, right? I said we've accounted for 25% of variance. What if we add another variable? Does it account for more variance? What? Right? So we're much more concerned with that. Much more concerned with that. Make sense? So our big R squared is just like little R squared, except it's about a multiple regression. So we get sum of squares regression divided by sum of squares total. And that gives us a proportion of variance accounted for by the whole model. So R squared, let's see. Look at that. Now, you, now nobody can see it. Look at that, eh? <laughs> Stupid room. It's not the room so much as this giant console they put up here. This looks like this is from like early versions of the Star Trek bridge. And I mean before they even greenlit the pilot of the original series. Gene Roddenberry's just drawing things in the back of cocktail napkins. Yeah, well, they could be on a spaceship and get you know, like this. And it'd be a great big thing there. And people wouldn't be able to see the view screen. <laughs> Watch the old, the old Star Trek. They watch like Next Generation. It's funny because the technology in it looks dated, but it's supposed to be the 24th century, right? In the Next Generation, <laughs> yeah. Like they're walking around those pad things they have where they're. It's like it's five and a half feet thick, you know. <laughs> I got a tablet at home that you know I, I can chop onions with it so thin, you know. They pull out their tricorders like my phone. <laughs> it's a lot smaller than a tricorder. So we're going to add variables in, so we want to. Um, if you have a model with five variables, and you add a sixth, does R squared, R squared go up? Well, yeah, it has to. Because we're always, well, it could, it could be that it actually did nothing. Let's, I'll draw, I'll, let me draw this out. Now, I'm not going to do it with five because it's going to start getting mess. But we're accounting for variance in y. And remember that r squared equals the sum of squares for regression. Divided by the sum of squares total. Okay? So there's y. I squared, you idiot. Um, there's x1. So this is so far. Now, we'll bring in x2. There's some more. The only way r squared couldn't go up is if x3 was over here. And it had nothing to do at all with y. And that's almost, it's so freaking unlikely that you can find a variable that is not correlated at all with another variable. You know, it could go up very small now. It could go up like by a tenth of a percentage point or something, which obviously is not interesting. But it, you can't find variables that don't correlate with each other. The world just doesn't work that way. Especially when you're dealing with like sort of complex sort of social science type things, everything matters. 
to a point, but for the most part, well, everything correlates, but most things don't matter, let's say that. Okay. The only thing that I can think of something, like something doesn't vary at all. Because if that's something doesn't vary, if, if it doesn't vary at all, this isn't a circle, it's just a point. So we can't account for anything. Right? So if we thought about it, uh, did you have a, you have a mother? And I don't mean a mom that lives with you and loves you. I mean, did you have a biological mother? <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of works that way. Unless you're some kind of clone. Right? Everybody's got one. So the, the variance in there is zero. It's the only thing I can think of. Like, or, well, did you have a father? Well, everybody's got a father. Your, your father, maybe you haven't seen him in a long time, and he's an asshole. But... He still exists, or did exist at some point. He may have come out of the jar at the clinic down the street. But he's but still, he a thought. still a thought. Still a thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's jars. I think it's more. I'm just guessing, but I think it's probably more of a tube of some sort. No, I don't think it's a tube. It's like a, it's a it's a, like a test tube, kept with liquid nitrogen. We gotta keep it cold. You go bad. <laughs> I don't think it's an egg. I think it's a simple device. I thought they put it on the dishes and then little dishes. Them. Like petri dishes? Yeah, yeah. and then frozen. Them. <laughs> really? Isn't yeah. that only with artificial intelligence? I don't know why. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know. I it's Sarah. She mentioned maybe it was in a jar. <laughs> Just let it be known that I didn't start the discussion of sperm. <laughs> well, you kind okay. of did. You said you have a father. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, okay. But anything else, <laughs> I would edit this out, but I don't care. Um, it has to go up. It could. Be, it could. That's. But the question: By how much? Is it enough that you would care? Because okay, we got two. These are nice. These are we're kind of for nice chunks of variance. What if we bring in X? Well, X three is over there, so let's not say it's no, this is no good. X four. That's not much. Do we want to keep that in the model? Probably not. Right? We're going to say, oh, geez, it counts for something. But is it, does it matter to us? No, not too much. Not too much. So is it enough to deal with the loss of degrees of freedom? Because you lose degrees of freedom. Excuse me, an error. And we know that's always bad. Whatever's on the bottom, we want to have to have very few degrees of freedom, right? Uh, it's also added extra complexity. Because, oh, in this case, we've gone from something that, well, you guys didn't know a lot about this kind of thing with a plane. You can imagine how that would work. Suddenly, we've gone from that to a hyperplane of hyperspace. We're going from a line to a plane. That's a big step. Anybody can understand a line. Planes are harder. Hyperplanes are really hard. So it becomes a bit of a judgment call. So we have to look at something other than our square. Our square is always going to go up. Um, it can be useful. Let's look at something other than our square. Let's look at what's called adjusted R square. I'm never going to ask you to reproduce this. Just letting you know. Thank you. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. But you should know what adjusted R square is. And what it is, is it's, 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 it's weighted. Okay? This can actually go up and down. That's the beauty of this. Because it's weighted by the number of predictors, as you can see there, um, it can go up and down. That's good. We like that. 
We like that. So if we added this guy in here, x4, it actually may be useless. It may actually make our adjusted r squared go down. Okay, so that's just adjusted r squared. It's just a way of looking at variance in multiple regression by adding in, uh, by, by weighting it rather. So did it go up or down? If it goes down, you're not going to, obviously not going to use that very well. So it's weighed by the number of variables in the model, so it can go down. The variables are It's a useful quantity. And in fact, if you ever do an output with one of these things with, with any stats program, it'll tell you. Uh, it'll show you R squareds and also show you adjusted R squareds. Okay. So we might have a situation where we have, here's a, here's a, here's a model here with just X1 in the model. Okay, this just has X1 in the model. Our regression has 50, some of the special regression is 50, and for residuals, 80. Is that guy over there. Here's a second one, with x2 in the model, not x1, just x2. Uh, well, regression is 30, residual is 100, okay. And then we'll bring in x1, x2. This is both x1 and x2 in the model. Okay. It sum of squares of 80 for regression and 50 for residual. Which one's the best one? The third one. Why? Because you don't have as much variance left over. Yeah. I that's that's a that's a decent answer. Can anybody make a case for another one? It's not wrong by the way you said. I'm not saying that because you're wrong. Go ahead. It looks like you'd have more degrees of freedom with the last one. You would, you, well, you have two here, so now you have n minus three, so you have fewer degrees of freedom here. On the bottom, it's a more complicated model. It's got two variables, so it's a plane now. It's not a line. So I can, you can make a case that this one's pretty good too. You're accounting here five eighths, right? Well, 5 out of 130, so that's about uh, 6, 38, 37% of variance, a lot of variance. Now, you're paying for a lot more, and Sarah's right. I think I'd probably lean towards the one on the far right, but the one on the left is really simple. But doesn't the one on the far right actually explain more? Though? It does explain more. But what if this, instead of being 80, what if it was... Uh, 52. Does there be no point in doing it? No, exactly. What if it was 70? I'd still probably prefer the one on the far right. Okay. Now, it's 80 right now. Is there any overlap between x1 and x2? Sum of squares regression, which is just a measure that. Is there any overlap? The x1 and x2 overlap. How did you know? Just see if you figured it out. Anybody any thoughts? I said I just had a thought. So I think I saw a light bulb go off over her head. 
Yeah. Probably <laughs> going completely wrong here. But I would say no, there's not an overlap because they add together instead. You are correct, man. Oh. <laughs> no, that's right. Look, 50 and 30. That means that we have 50 of, eight, uh, of 130. Because you know it always has 130? Because there's a finite amount of variance, variation in what? Right? The Y circle is always the same size. We get 50 of that, 50 of 130 from X1. We get 30 of 130 from X2. If they don't overlap at all, those two numbers together should add up. They do. So there actually is no overlap. This is definitely the best model because we're accounting for completely for unique variants. So if it was 70, you would know there was overlap, and then the name of that model wouldn't be the best. Yeah, if it's 70, in that case, you go, yeah, but X1 and X2 correlated there. And you don't really want that. There's nothing in the model. Think about the model. Is there anything in there that has a term that says, oh, yeah, and X1 and X2 together? It's not there. It's not there. So this is one of the things that you want to be able to look at. And this is why, as I said, this, and by the way, this never, the world never works this beautifully. <laughs> Right? Like I said, everything correlates with everything else just even a little bit. So it's a case of how much are you really overlap are you willing to have? That's the question you're asking. Alright. Questions so far? This is making sense so far? It's okay? Not really. Yeah, what's the problem? Can we go back a slide? Yeah, it screws up the whole recording. But but I can I know what's on the slide. I can tell you. Okay, I don't understand why it being thirty or on seventy instead of eighty is bad. It's bad because think about the model. In other words, so we had uh, it's thirty and, and, and uh, it was, first one's fifty, right? Yeah. yeah. So fifty and eighty, thirty and a hundred and eighty and fifty. Now that's variance, right? Because this is for regression. And this is for residual, and that's x1, that's x2, and that's the x1, x2 model. So, you see what the x1 and the x2 are. You see these quantities are, that's these two things, yeah? Okay. Okay? Now, so you see why there's no overlap because 50 and 30 just adds up to 80. Right? Because if these overlap, let's go out somewhere else. I'm going to refer back to that. So, why? It's this whole thing. So it's the area between them share, right? So that's why it would be less than 80 if there was overlap. Does that make sense? Well, look. 50 on the left for x1 and x2, let's say it's there. So how do we know they're overlapping? Then we know they're overlapping because, well, we, first of all, we know these aren't overlapping, right? Because 50 and 30 adds up to 80. Like, it, the, the number, the sum of squares of regression for x1 plus sum of squares of regression for x2 equals the sum of squares of regression for x1, x2. And that means they're overlapping? No, it means they're not overlapping because they actually add up to exactly what they should. 50 plus 30 equals 80. But if we had a case like this, where there is overlap, if we have, say, 50 here, and we have 30 here, right? This is the only day I would need different colored chalk. 50 in here, okay? 
as we had 30 here, like that, this whole quantity, which is going to be the x1, x2 model, can't be 80. Because there's a part where x1 and x2 overlap. Oh. Makes sense. What about the residual? The residual is just going to be what's left over. That's just this. All the stuff that doesn't, it doesn't uh, have an x uh, overlapping with the y. Anything where the variance isn't explained. Yeah, exactly. Anything where the variance isn't explained. Is it always going to be 130? No. Every... Could be 7,592. I mean, it's unlikely that it's ever going to be that either. But it could be any number. In this case, if we had, we're comparing, we're always at the same y value here, we're always going to have the same total. Right? But if I did another experiment, if I collected yeah. the data, it's going to be different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Other questions? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. Glad you asked. Sir, I just missed, you said the residual would be the rest of the x1 and x2. So no, the rest, the rest of, the of the y. So then how do you know what's x1 residual and what's x2 residual? Because it's always the total is the total in the y. Okay? That's sum of squares total. Minus well, the sum of squares total is the y. Now we take out the x1 and the x2 or anything else, that's going to be the residual. Okay, so the whole, and then that's why I see you start thinking of variance as a thing, it's not an easy thing to do. When you think of the whole of y, that's sum of squares regression, or sorry for that, now I'm screwing myself up. So that's sum of squares total. This, a little bit there, that's sum of squares regression. And then what's left over is sum of squares residual. That's why it's called residuals, left over. Is there any way to make it so that you can double check the x1 and x2 residual by the x1 residual plus the x2 residual? Uh, you know, I'm like sorry, you... I don't know what you mean. Try that again. Okay, you know how the regression yeah. adds up to equal 80 under x1, x2? Yeah. Is there any way to check the residual that's below that 80 against the other residuals? Oh, because what would happen would be... Because they don't add up to 50. They have to all add up to 130. Okay. Right. In this case, again, they would always have to add up to the same amount. Okay. So as long as it all adds up to the yeah. same underneath, you know you can. Then you can, at least you, you input the numbers properly into the computer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And they there's no way you could make that mistake. The, unless the software is so horrible. Because the way you enter data for this, and this is for any software, is you just have a record. And you go like subject 1. Here's what we got for Y. Here's what we got for X1, X2, X3, X4, X5, X6. Subject two, here's what they got for y, here's what they got for x1, x2, x3, x4, x5, x6, and you just keep doing that for everybody. Um, you have like, whatever, five, six hundred records, but everybody's got all their data in there. So there's, there's no way it wouldn't work. And you would never do this by hand. If you notice, I haven't shown you at all how this is done by hand. Thank you. Yeah, you can, but it's really stupid too. <laughs> no, because computers will do it for you. And this is, this is actually, you know, I know you guys play with doing SPSS, doing you know, but this is actually a lot easier because you just say uh, multiple regression. Here's the Y, here's the X. Please tell me what happened. The hard part is picking out which model I want, which variables I want in. Other questions? These are good questions. Shows you're actually paying attention. Okay. Now, these are what are called type 1 and type 2 sums of squares. There are, there are so there are rather. Um, we talked about that the other day. They're actually calculated the same way. 
Um, type 1 sum scores depend on the order of variables go into the model, and type 2s don't. And again, I'm not going to explain to you why, because it takes too much matrix algebra. But just depending on which one we put in first, it affects which one's next. In other words, well, think about this. Well, here's our example of overlap. If we put this in first, then the extra amount's just this little bit here. It's that kind of thing. So let's say we have a three-variable data set, x1, x2, and x3. And y, obviously. Y is clearly there. OK. The type 1 sum of squares for x1 is sum of squares for x1. Sum of squares regression for x1. The type 2 sum of squares is the sum of squares regression for x1, given x2 and x3 are already in the model. So this is, in other words, the type 2s deal only with unique variation. Now the type 1 for x2, well, we've already put x1 in, so it's x1 and x2. Uh, this is nice. Sum of squares regression for x2, given x1 and x3. Here, for x3 is x1, x2, x3. This is all of them. Type 2s are way better. You might say, why would anybody ever calculate type 1s? And that's a question that before computers, uh, it made a great deal of sense to calculate type 1s. So you can actually ask, the, you can ask for type 1s. Because it used to be to get like x3 given x1, x2. You'd need to know x1, x2, x3, and x1, and then you'd do it through a series of things with probability calculator. We don't have to do that anymore. So the nice thing is we really care about type 2s. Type 1s can be useful, but for our, for our purposes, they really won't be. So usually you're going to want what are called type 2 sum squares, and the default on any software is going to be to give you type 2 sum squares. So that's the nice thing. So you can see, because what's type 2? It's giving you unique variation. Like, the amount of variance accounted for by x1, given x2 and x3 are already in the model. Unique variation due to x2, given x1 and x3 are already in the model. So you can ask why you should care. Well, actually, there's no correlation between the variables, the x variables, then, x, then the type 1 should equal type 2s equal type 3s. Or, sorry, type, type 1s equal type 2s. I'm thinking of. Uh, you know, for a second. But you said there's always correlation between Yeah, they're all, but if they're very much the same, oh. you shouldn't care. If there's a correlation of some sort, type 1s do not equal type 2s. talk a bit more about that later on. You can do one more slide. Or do you want to stop because your brains are full? I mean, I'm finding a way. I keep talking this all day. Do you want to stop? Robin looks like she wants to stop. She's got that look. Like, yeah, I want to stop now. I'm done. Okay. And I yet see that. Wow, I can see that look. So, we'll stop for now. We'll continue this stuff on Thursday. I think there's a twist in there. Yeah. Last one.
podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.